0: Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. I'm Chris Salamone from 4 Eyes Furniture. And with me as always, Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for that weird introduction, Chris.
0: What was weird about it? I thought it was very normal.
1: <laughs> is that how but you normally, normally here, look, say builds?
0: It's ve- from, yeah, be- builds. Oh, All okay. right. And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hey, I'm glad you nailed his. Good See? job. He likes that. <laughs> Today is Thursday, December 7th. A day that will live in infamy. And that is because it is National Cotton Candy Day.
1: Ooh. Cotton candy's like good. It's, it's good. You can't be. It's oh, just, actually. What is it? Sponge sugar? I've got something topical to top, talk about on cotton candy. It's not my obsession oh, for the week. And I haven't here. watched the video. I've only seen the thumbnail. It was a suggested video. But it was hand-pulled cotton candy. So instead of putting Artisanal. it in a machine that spins it all, somehow this guy like did it all by hand. And it's like long like spider webs almost.
2: Now, so I'm going to have to go watch to that it. video. I, I, I got a, uh, a hot take. I think both cotton candy <laughs> and marshmallows are straight garbage.
1: Uh oh. <laughs> nah, marshmallows are tight.
0: <laughs> On s'mores. Marshmallows <laughs> are tight. Hey, we potty trained our kid with marshmallows. That's wow. how good they are. <laughs> Ooh, I think candy. they would
2: probably make a horrible diaper. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they're kind of the same consistency. Well, yeah. They're pretty absorbent, probably.
2: Spongy yeah. more than absorbent. Yeah. Well,
0: They'd whatever. be comfortable nonetheless that's not a s'more all right (laughs) oh
2: god (laughs) don't eat that
1: what are you guys what what are you guys working on uh y'all go first i've been starting off lately
0: okay i'll go first since i never go first so let's see i I put up my first CNC or actually sorry not cnc'd project uh 3d carved project right is that the right right vernacular
1: (laughs) it's a 3d carving machine not a cnc
0: yes so i put up that first project um so far it's been pretty well received you know i got a couple of the comments the you know that's not woodworking you're just pushing a button whatever yeah. you know we, we've talked about that on the podcast we we all know our stance on that so yeah it's actually done better than i thought it was i was afraid that like i would receive a lot of backlash about that but it's been fine um, i like that it was
1: all friction fit that's right you know you didn't even need a screwdriver so that was really cool
0: Nevin, you need no tools other than this
1: Thousand dollars (laughs) CHC.
0: But you don't need a screwdriver. That's the good (laughs) news. So you can save a couple cents there. Um, Let's see. Other than that, this past weekend, I started making... Okay, so I don't know if you guys will remember the kind of joke video that I put out, not this past Halloween, but the one before that, the three-legged coffee table where... It, it like it starts off like it's going to be a project video but then it turns into just like a halloween goof kind of thing so i had put that video video up and then a lot of people said like well well now i really want to see like the actual build and it was a piece that i had built like a long time ago i was just like looking for something to do a goof with but i kept saying you know i will eventually put it up i will and i just kept putting it on the back burner putting it on the back burner and then i was looking for something to build and i was like oh i should make that i I kept promising people that I would, so I'll do it. So started making that this weekend. Um, I made it a little bit different than the original they made just because, I don't know, I was kind of bored of building it the same way. I'd, I've already built it like five times the same way, so I, I wanted to try a couple new things with it. And uh, yeah, working on that, that. Hopefully that'll come out in a couple weeks, and then probably next week I'll put out that Nintendo stand that I was talking about last week. Cool. So that's about it for me, though.
2: Ben, go for it. Ben? Um... I just signed a lease on a new shop. Whoa, Um, where at? The smartest move I made. It's like two blocks from a Home Depot. Oh, wow. No joke. That is perfect. Right. So uh, I ended up not pulling the trigger on buying a space because I'm going to use those funds for something else, uh, most likely the the tiny house project and the the time that would have sort of been associated with that. So I did still want to have more shop space. And so I found a, a sort of a, it's like, it's kind of like a creative co-working space where it's a whole bunch of studios. I think there was like a ceramic person in there. Uh, actually, I found out about it because one of the startups that I invested in that makes the, those better exacto knives, the Kiwi, um, they have their office space there. So it's a really cool space. They have events there, things like that. So it's like a common area and I have just a single studio. It's, it's really not that big, but it has like awesome light it has like two walls of glass and then one big white wall so it's, it's really that perfect it's the small perfect version of what i always sort of you know identify as as the perfect shop yeah. It has about 10 to uh, 10 or 11 foot ceilings and one wall that's about 16 feet long and it's, it's probably a room about 16 by 18 with okay. a lot of light so and it's even got painted white brick which is which has always been well, one of the things that's uh, been sort of an ongoing theme in my my stuff. So signed a lease on that. Uh, just got the keys today and starting to move stuff into there. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty. You know, what's awesome is like, you know, I, I I hear our friends over at uh the sort of making it podcast. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of an ongoing joke where they talk about their moves and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that like the. The sort of portable nature. And it's also because the tools I use there's there's such a focus on on handheld or just sort of contractor grade table saws. Right. I think it's gonna take me like two days, or actually probably like like six total hours to like move in and get set up. Yeah, yeah I think you're gonna have a
0: <laughs> relatively easy move.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna set up. Some, I'm gonna take probably the shelves from that the that plywood project that I did. I'm probably gonna use those to to lay out all the tools so they'll be sort of visible. The other cool thing that I'm looking into it is because I still have my the shop that's above my architecture firm, and uh, also the I still have my my building where I can where I can do stuff. So I think uh, I'm, this is going to be more of like a collaborating space where I'm actually making keys for a whole bunch of different makers that are that I'm sort of friends with in the Boston area, and uh, yeah. So you know it'll it'll be sort of like a meeting point where uh people can just come in on weekends and and work on stuff and uh moving the cnc machine there moving some of the new 3d printers i got there 3d carving machine (laughs) sorry yeah uh i i I really like the inventables people i think they're right to sort of switch doing it but old habits die hard, and uh it's hard yeah and also that's what
0: everybody else knows it as so you just you call it that right
2: exactly um But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, excited about that. Um, It'll get a few more of the the power tools out of my loft, which will reduce the likelihood of me slicing my foot (laughs) open on one of them. Other than that, in terms of actually building stuff, uh, still haven't really made anything in a bit. Uh, Been working on the Dwell things, which we'll be launching this week. So check out the Dwell made Instagram account. And uh or the Dwell YouTube account. Even better and, yeah. and uh you'll we'll be posting probably the first two videos for sure this week. Maybe three. We'll we'll still uh we'll still work and see. So there's a good um,
0: chance that while they're listening to this something is already up.
2: Yeah. But um tomorrow, uh I'm going to a uh a stone yard. Um and I'm looking for sort of uh, it's like a place that does like high-end countertops all out of like natural stone, and so they have like honed limestone, which is actually really cool looking. Different kinds of marble, different kinds of granite, and I've been wanting to do sort of like a like a coffee table and a desk and maybe even a kitchen island that all has like a real piece of uh, of stone as the sort of uh, as the top. So I'm gonna be a Renting a truck and going out and picking some big, smooth, heavy slabs of rock.
0: Nice, man
1: work.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I like to think that all the genders can uh, lift heavy. That's true. And, 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 and these days, I, I definitely have some uh, some female friends that lift a lot that are uh, probably a little bit stronger than me. So yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think I all can right, say that I'll anymore. Backpeddle. My back pedal, my back.
1: Take it back, Mike. I take it back. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, this week I'm putting out a live edge cake stand video. It's not a huge project again, but it was, uh, last week, Ben, you mentioned the idea. I think you tagged it experiment, small bet, big, which I want to talk about that later. I think that's kind of the, the show topic for today. And it was basically an experiment on the idea of taking a live edge slab. uh, They call them cookies. That's where you you cut the slab basically across the tree. Instead of going up, or wow, that's hard to explain. Instead of slabbing the tree with the grain, you basically take a cross section of it. So you have the round. Mm -hmm. And I've had the idea of getting one of those and painting the edge white. I just, in my head, I thought it would look really cool and it was holiday season I wanted to give it to my grandmother as a gift which she really liked and uh kind of just test out the test out the theory on whether or not this would be a cool idea or not and it was I think it came out really cool so that video will be up on Tuesday so it's already been out so if you haven't seen that yet give it a look tell me what you think about the whole live edge thing in general um and yeah aside from that before we get to the show topic, this is a question, kind of for the listeners or for you guys. If you guys have any input, have you heard of the ball gouge by ArborTech, the same people that make the turbo plane? I've heard of it. Okay, so essentially, it's an attachment for an angle grinder. It's uh, you you thread it onto the threads of the angle grinder, and at the end there is a ball or a sphere. It's got like a spherical cutting head on it, essentially that can cut in basically any direction. It can cut really mm-hmm. tight contours. Um, it's just kind of like a, it's like a turbo plane for really tight areas, kind of in a way. Oh, you
2: said gouge.
1: Gouge. What do you think I said? (laughs) I thought you meant like
2: the strap on silencing device that you see in Pulp Fiction.
1: (laughs) A gag? (laughs) A ball gag. No, that is not what I'm talking about. (laughs) I was wondering what that face was. Anyways. (laughs) Um. So I had the idea. Uh, anyways, long story short, when they when they invented this and were planning on releasing it, they sent me one and they were interested in doing a video. And my initial idea was to make a piece of wall art inspired by a guy named Samuel Ackford. Uh, his Instagram is at pockets full of sawdust. If you don't follow him or if you haven't seen his work before, go check it out. It's very cool. Um, he makes these freeform uh sculptural wall pieces that's the best way i can explain it it's very sculptural and my idea was essentially to take three two by twelves uh line them up together and make this pattern essentially this like free form pattern that would have been shaped with the with the turbo plane and the ball gouge in the tighter corners after a weekend of experimenting with it i now understand why he charges so much for his pieces it's very tough. So, um, so at this point, I, I've yet to talk to ArborTech again since my uh, weekend of failures. But it looks like I'm gonna have to try something else uh, to get comfortable with the ball gouge. I made a simple little wooden spoon, and that was on my Instagram story, and it came out really neat. But I don't think a project that size is uh, substantial enough for a full project video. Right. So, if uh, anybody listening or you guys, you know, you think it's
2: the wood you were using,
1: uh, I don't think it helped. Uh, yeah, a tighter I mean, grain would have definitely made
2: it a little bit more manageable, but... Because the, the ball gouge is sort of like an ice cream scooper that spins, right?
1: Basically, yeah. Pretty similar. A melon
2: baller. Yeah, so it, it's chunking out pretty pretty big pieces at a time.
1: It was surprisingly, though, really small amounts of tear out. It really wasn't really? tearing out much at all, which I was really impressed with, because I was kind of expecting that going into it, that I would have to end up going to Woodcraft or somewhere to get some good like walnut pieces or some good maple pieces, but... Even with Douglas fir, as wide as the grain is, it's it really didn't take out too much, or it didn't tear out too much.
0: Let me ask you this, because I've never used a turbo plane or the ball gouge. Obviously, mm-hmm. what does it feel like to carve with? Like, does it pool or very like, little? How, uh, okay, so it's actually long, like yeah. I
1: mean, with an angle grinder, butter? you've got that. With an angle grinder, you've got that side handle, and as long as you're mm-hmm. kind of gripping everything good, it. Really cuts like butter. The only thing you need to worry about is just being aware of if you have a knot or if your grain does something weird. Because <laughs> I mean, naturally, like any blade, it, it kind of wants to follow the grain a little bit. So if it gets wonky, <laughs> it'll try right. and maybe bite a little bit.
2: It's really fun. Yeah, uh, if, it looks especially fun. if you've if you've used an orbital sander and if you've used an angle grinder for cutting metal or for grinding stuff down. You have this association of kind of like, you know, sanding something to, to give it shape takes a long time. Yeah. Right. But uh, when you put on a turbo plane onto an angle grinder, like the the rate at which uh, material is removed is incredibly satisfying and a yes. little bit scary. Right. <laughs> like you can, you can really sculpt some stuff. yeah. Um, but you can really the, finesse it too. Yeah. So, so the, the, the turbo plane's a really interesting tool because it's it's not cheap they're they're about a hundred bucks yeah but when you factor in like if you're using a whole bunch and i've definitely done projects where i've used i've gone through a ton of of abrasive wheels or flap discs or and things like that to kind of remove uh, either wood or or metal um it definitely pays for itself because it'll last longer than 20 flap discs or 20, <laughs> 20 sort of abrasive wheels yeah um which tend to be like three to five bucks each or something so it's a, it's a pretty cool tool to, to try. It's, it's, it's kind of obscure because I think it's because it's a freehand tool for wood and wood is material people normally associate with like right angles and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so most woodworkers are all about trying to have tools that make everything flatter, squarer, and more precise. Right. Right. And here's a tool that's just like a freewheeling, like dirt bike that can just, you know, go on all (laughs) terrain and just remove massive amounts of material. Yeah. Um,
1: And that's, that's what was really fun about that egg table I carved is it was something that I wasn't really the only thing I needed to worry about was making things proportional and, uh, one side even with the other. So it was a good experiment and I want to do something similar. So if anybody has a neat application or a cool idea, uh, that's something like a big project, whether it's a table, wall art, whatever it is. If you have any cool ideas for this uh, this tool, the ball gouge, uh, hit me up on Instagram, at Modern Builds. Send me a DM, maybe a picture. If you have one, I'd really appreciate it. I'm going to keep brainstorming on it.
0: This might not be big enough, but what about if you did a bigger project and just worked it into a smaller portion of that project? So say you're yeah. doing like a, a chest of drawers or something, right? And then to do the handles, you built up material on the drawer face and then Hmm. use the gauge to like go back in and contour it in like a really organic way that you couldn't normally make without a tool like that
1: yeah that could be really cool um
0: so like i'm picturing it like kind of like splashing over like a wave or something where it's like kind of curved and coming out to form a handle
2: yeah that's a neat idea and Here, here here's a suggestion okay uh pick a project that doesn't require symmetry Right. right. Pick, a, pick a project where you have like a contour or something that you can hold up to it, like a template, and then just keep removing material until this other thing fits into it. Right. Um, I think would be an interesting way to do it. Right. Because then you're using the, the stress of using a tool like that is when you're you're using a tool that's powerful and removes materials fast with the goal of symmetry. But if you have some way to sort of check it incrementally, just make sure that your fit is right, or you have a strong visual concept in your head of what you're going for, then all that speed and, you know, chips flying and stuff like that is all really satisfying, mm-hmm. like with the egg table, right? Because you you kind of know intuitively what it's like. You can kind of eyeball it. All three legs don't have to be perfectly the same. In fact, if they were, it would, it would, would look too artificial almost. So... I would say pick a project that really doesn't require uh, symmetry. And uh, speaking of which, we'll give a little shout out. Uh, have you seen uh, Paul Jackman's from uh, uh, his uh, leg lamp? The leg? Oh yeah,
1: I, it's kind of blowing
2: up. I've I saw yeah, I've, it. Uh, I've seen it everywhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul Paul's an awesome dude um, and uh, fantastic woodworker. Very creative. Looks like a walrus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he. he you know, he. I think that was like a great application for it. And what I really liked about the video that he uh, that he published is, uh, he, you know, really showing how he printed out templates, and he just used a regular little inkjet printer to do it. But the way he was using sort of taping together paper to make a template so that he could keep the form what he wanted it to be, but still using freehand tools like a like a turbo plane to from ArborTech to do it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well. Looking forward to ideas, and I'm going to keep brainstorming, so that is that. The show topic for the day, though, was, like I mentioned, Ben had mentioned it last week kind of at the end of the show, and it was something that I was going to suggest kind of the next week because it was kind of in line with what I was doing with the cake stand, so I'm going to hand it to you, Ben, and if you want to pretend like you didn't say anything about this whole idea last week, all the better because someone might have missed it
2: so the, the the concept that we were talking about is, and I think it came from the idea of how important it is to experiment when it comes to design and making, right. And without that, you you tend to be sort of static and repeat yourself over and over again. Now, there's nothing wrong with repeating yourself over and over again. I mean if if you're a true craftsman that just wants to to focus on that last like three percent of skill, right where you're and, and you want your satisfied Learning at the rate of diminishing returns, but but because you believe that differentiation is in that little last percentage of craftsmanship, then repetition is your friend. And that mm, I do not have that attention span, and I'm more all over the place. And everyone's on a different gradient of those things. And it's it's fantastic that we're in a community where we see all these different sort of approaches uh, to making, but. And the I, I believe that exper- experimenting is such a valuable uh, practice, is particularly uh, when you're uh, feeling a little bit uh, stale. So uh, we sort of talked about this concept of experimenting small and then betting big, because it's it's you know sometimes when you have like a scrap piece of wood, you feel very free to try to do all sorts of crazy things to it, whether it's use a, a ball gouge or 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 maybe burn part of it and then and do that. When you have a giant slab of live edge walnut, you're not going to get that experimental. <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be very conservative and you know sort of play it right down the middle. If you only experiment, uh, you know, experimenting small is very resource efficient because you're not sort of wasting things with unproven techniques or 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 design experiments. Um, but once you sort of discover something that's interesting. Uh, you don't just want to, then you have to move away from doing something small, right? Yep. So if you come up with a really cool way to finish wood, let's say you figure out this, uh, uh, this clever way to sort of burn the wood and then wire brush it or sort of like what uh, Matt uh, Keddy's doing for uh, Keddy Woodshop is he makes these sort of like little heart figurines and stuff like that. And he has these really cool techniques for, for creating all this texture in wood. My suggestion would be if you if you're experimenting on a scrap and you discover a really interesting technique that that results in an interesting visual don't make a little box make like a giant table or make a front door or make something big out of it right so cuz the minute you find something that works that is maybe I'm sure someone's done everything somewhere but but it's new to you or new to your circle of people don't don't, you know, don't hide that light, like blow that up, amplify it and, and go to town with it. Um, so I say the same thing. If you're getting into a CNC, right, don't get, you know, the the thing you'll start experimenting and noticing when you first get a 3D carver or CNC machine is that how precise, how repeatable, but take that, those experiments with using that new ability and then magnify it out so that something uh, pretty spectacular comes to mind.
1: Right. And the, the example you used was the way you got a CNC or you got a 3d carving machine experimented for a while with it. And then you built the spiral staircase. You got familiar with the machine, tested it, experimented with it a little bit, then used it to make something very substantial.
2: Right. And I'll, I'll give you an example of something I'm working on now, um, which will put a little time pressure on me to sort of get this idea out before I, reveal the idea so this is, this, is a, this is a good way for self-motivating so I've done a lot of copper pipe projects and sort of experimenting with uh you know the first thing was how can I fasten these things without soldering because I hate soldering things um it's messy I suck at it uh, and uh, uh yeah and the uh, the flux is like really annoyingly toxic right so I developed like a like a way of using gorilla glue because it foams and expands a little bit it doesn't just adhesive this sort of connection it also sort of expands to increase the friction in it um so it's a fantastic way to get pretty strong joints doing that so doing that we kind of took that level as far as we could and i was looking at thinking about sort of you know i think we've done enough of the small scale copper pipe projects uh you know that that we we dare do without sort of exhausting the audience um and I, I like doing them because you can cut copper pipe without any power tools. You can just get one of those little clamp cutters, those little tube cutters. Yeah, 20 bucks. So it's a great entry-level uh, uh, material to work with. But now so I say, okay, well, now that I've done all these little experiments, how can I do something that's actually big that really showcases this thing? So I wanted to do a copper bed. that's all done out of copper pipes. Wow. But the copper pipes aren't really strong enough. For all the people out there that always comment, I go, "Oh, that's so expensive." Copper's not as expensive as you think it is. You can get a a ten foot section of three quarter inch pipe for about fifteen bucks, and for a half inch pipe, I think it's about nine dollars. Yep. Um, it's really not as expensive as people think. But the thing I was experimenting today uh, was figuring out how to reinforce copper pipe. That's, so copper yeah. looks great but it's not that strong and if you have like spans that are you know a little over six feet for a bed how do you get enough strength in there so i looked at all kinds of things i thought about sort of putting rebar in there and then foaming around it well today i just discovered that if you take one inch copper pipe three-quarter inch black iron pipe fits perfectly inside of it oh wow yeah that's so now you can have a lot of joints right So if the copper pipe was all straight, you probably could do it, but then you couldn't have any crossbars for sort of supports laterally in the bed. But now I can sort of have the copper pipe segmented, but with a single piece of steel pipe going all the way through it.
1: Yep. I like that. That's smart.
0: So now you have till Thursday to have this video up?
2: (laughs) No, No, because it'll take other people longer than that.
0: Okay. As as, As long as you're off to the races already. Well, see,
2: <laughs> so, see, you know how like people worry about people stealing their ideas and all these things. It's like, yeah. this is how I think about it, right? And it's not. Uh, I think, well, how many people that listen to it make videos? How many of those yeah. people would be able to move within that time? So yeah, there's a chance, but it's a really small chance. Right. So mm-hmm. if it fits the topic, I'm willing to sort of share it, and it'll put a little more of a of a light of fire, a sense of urgency. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, so yeah, to, to piggyback on that, like I mentioned, I I kind of had the idea of doing a white painted live edge. I looked for it. I've dug for it online and haven't seen anyone do it. And I was surprised to, to have not seen anyone do it. And so I, I got a piece of red cedar is the wood I used. And I got that for a couple reasons. I walked around the sawmill and I just kind of looked at all the bark on these different species. Uh, they're all local trees. So some of the... some ugh, wow. They're all local trees. So some of this stuff is a little bit less common in different places. So uh, there was like red cedar, pecan, uh, some ash, which is pretty common, red oak, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And as I got to the cedar, I noticed two things. One, it does not grow in a perfect circle. It grows circular, but it juts in and out a lot. Yeah. It, it like really, kind of has this really... Yeah, it's almost like a four-leaf clover a flower almost. And I really liked that texture. And then the second thing... Is the bark Uh, I don't know if a deciduous tree is the type of tree that leaves fall on or if an evergreen tree is deciduous however that works the types (laughs) of trees that (laughs) stay green all year the barks on them are are, I wouldn't say they're not as hardy but they almost pull off especially once you slab it I just got a chisel and it just popped right off and you can see that in the video really easily and so, and, and when I popped off the popped off the outer bark, it left me with a perfectly smooth finish. I didn't even have to sand the the edge at all. So, long story short, I masked off the top of the uh, top of the cake stand, flipped it upside down, and I painted the whole edge and the bottom of it white. It came out looking really, really cool. So that was basically my experiment, and now it's kind of time to bet big. And what's so great about doing this dwell series is I get to basically bet big twice. I can make a round live edge coffee table and then I can also make a square, really big live edge dining table. And in that, I want to basically kind of do two takes on it. The first one, the coffee table, I'm trying to think of a way of doing it without hairpin legs. I really like the idea of making a custom base for it mm-hmm. um, for my channel. Uh, I think people mm-hmm. will find that interesting and just, you know, it'll just add more to the project. Um, and then for the, for the square one, I might do a prefabricated leg just because it is going on dwell. And I know uh, a dining table might look better with metal legs and that might be a little uh, of a stretch for a dwell project. But what I want, and I think this will look so, so neat, is to find a slab that has a lot of voids in it. Uh, whether it's like a bark inclusion or whether it's bug holes or some kind of something going on with it. Where there's just a lot of empty space that I can fill with white resin so that the edge is white, there's white resin pockets, for lack of better terms, all over the top of the thing, and then the base of it, for the dining table at least, could be maybe kind of rectangular frame style legs, but those also be white. So that's just it's all kind of playing together for this cool, modern, kind of chic look. Nice.
2: You know what? You know what's something you should look into. Yeah, is they often for like travertine stone tile. Travertine is like a it's like a type of marble that's very porous and soft. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see travertine tile, it often has a little bit of filler. They basically put in almost like a cementitious uh, material to kind of fill it in, and then they grind the whole thing flat and smooth. Um, a material like that might also mo- might also be interesting. Okay, if because the, the thing to sort of remember is that if you paint if you paint the edges, it's going to have sort of a painted wood kind of texture and aesthetic, which is much more matte and organic, mm-hmm. uh, unless you use like high gloss, which, which you, no. I'm guessing you're not going no, to. No, it'll be flat right? probably. So resin tends to be a little bit glossier or sort of more like kind of cloudy. Yeah. Um, and so getting that kind of like, Unglossy white can be a little bit challenging with resin. Um, okay. Well, my
1: thought it, before you go further, yeah. um, my thought was to fill it with the resin, and I kind of thought that as well—that that might be an issue. But then going over it with either a wipe-on poly yeah. or polycrylic and just doing and even it all out and kind of get it to where it's all the same kind of
2: gloss. The the other thing when it comes to uh, legs, and here's mm-hmm. another idea that I've been experimenting with. Okay. Um, and this is an idea I just was uh, talking about uh, my sister Jessie with, and trying to push her to sort of develop. Hairpin legs be- get used a lot. Exactly, they look fantastic. They're reusable. They're an excellent thing, right? Yep. And what's great about them is that there's there's steel. Uh, there's a little bit of steel for the long part, and then a lot of steel where you need it the most at the sort of structural connection. Mm-hmm. So it's a really efficient design. It's it they're you know they're like three eighths or occasionally half inch thick rods there's not they're they're heavy because they're steel but they're actually light relative to you know uh uh how much you know weight they can support right so an interesting thing you could do is to just go to home depot and get a a a a three foot length of two inch uh uh square steel uh, angle iron no oh wow okay and then make cut it at that angle. So you make like a really cool bracket. This actually has a nice aesthetic and you make two of them and you sandwich them on either side of a wood leg. So the hard part of making a table is the jointing between the leg and the table. And when you just do straight kind of legs, it looks like those cheap ass Ikea <laughs> uh, tables. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you could do something at an angle because you'd have enough uh, sort of steel sandwich on either side. And that, that also would hide the whole joint in between them, yeah, right. Yeah. So that could be like sort of, sort of an, an interesting alternative. You could also even just cut the the, uh, the another section of angle iron and bolt that to the angle iron that's screwed to the underside of the table, and, you just, and then taper that with a with either a uh, with an angle grinder. Actually, shape the angle grinder legs so that that could be something interesting where you're just making you're just operating at the point of the bracket. Yeah. Um, to hide the connection and also strengthen the connection. And then it gives you a lot of freedom to do really crazy aggressive lines and stuff like that.
1: I like that, yeah that's interesting. I've also thought of, so a while back I had the idea of doing a bent laminated leg for a bench that I was making and it just, or no it wasn't bent lamination, it was getting uh, flat bar steel and then bending that as the legs. And it (laughs) failed, I just, I thought it would be way easier than it was. It turns out it was not as easy as I thought. Um, But I've thought about making a form, maybe getting a couple pieces of three quarter inch plywood, stack them on top so I've got a a pretty thick form that I could make the shape of these hairpin style legs. They'd be about eight inches tall, ten inches tall. They'd be for the coffee table. And then getting a bunch of really thin pieces of either steel or aluminum and then using those, pressing them together in the form. And sort of doing bent lamination with really thin metal so to where each piece of metal is super pliable and really bendy but once I glue them all together it makes a pretty substantial leg just
0: do it on a bunch of foil
1: (laughs) I mean essentially it's kind of a similar (laughs) idea obviously not to that extreme but yeah taking just really thin metal and just layering it kind of the same way you would with with wood uh to go off of
0: your um failed attempt at the bent bar base, whatever. I find that I have a tendency and and I don't do a lot of experiments, small, bet big. That's probably something I should do more of. But when I'm first getting into something, I find that I have a tendency to kind of go a little bit bigger than I should early. Right. So, so that was a case where you probably could have uh, benefited from like doing a small experiment first before trying the real deal and then failing at it. But yeah, so I think I might've talked about this before, but like, the trapezoidal cabinet was actually the first cabinet that I ever designed and built. Oh, wow. I, yeah. Yeah. I had never built a right angle one. And I figured, well, I don't know, like for in my head that I need that like excitement about a project. And it's it's one of those things where like, you know, I'm just drawing a bunch of ideas and then I'm like, oh, what if I did this? And then I'm so excited by that and focused that, on that that I can't even... Bring myself to be like no, just build it this way first, (laughs) and then go big. Like I just have to go straight to it and try it out. And you know, I think about it a lot. So in theory, it should all work. So I don't see why it won't. And it did. So actually, one that I don't know if this falls into it. One that I've been thinking about lately was I had somebody a a week or two ago ask. They wanted a a custom coffee table, and they wanted a herringbone pattern on the top. And that's something that I don't know. That it's it's a fine look, but. It just wasn't really... I wasn't digging it too much. Yeah, it's not and what you normally do. Mm-mm. Right, and with the the bass... They wanted me to do, like, one of the style of bases that I typically do, which are... I thought that it was, like, too much... It was, like, two separate focal points. It just right, didn't it was work like a together, I do not
1: think. It a foot in both doors, almost. Like, you're kind of yeah, getting yeah. the the contemporary bass, but as, I always equate, like, a Harabung pattern with kind of like a pallet wood type project. Similar. Yeah, and almost, like it's the
0: focal point and the star of it and then you don't want this base that's like competing with it, right? Right. So I thought, well, what's a different way that I could do a herringbone pattern and still make it cool? So I thought, okay, what if I kind of just like, it wasn't an actual herringbone pattern, but it was just kind of CNC'd like, grooves in between it so it was still one top all the grain would kind of like even it out it wouldn't be as strong and it you would just kind of CNC a pattern into it and then i thought what if you and you can actually probably do this through software but i was thinking of a way that you could kind of hack it uh i guess analogly i don't think that's a word (laughs) analogously whatever um so i was thinking okay so imagine you have your big cnc right and you kind of shim up one of the sides so that it's higher than the other and then you start carving the pattern at a at an even depth the whole way through. But because it's shimmed up on one side, it's really only going to carve it deep on one side and it's going to get shallower and shallower as it works its way to the other side. So it would kind of like fade away into nothingness and it would Hmm. be this like real plain looking straight top. So that's an area where I feel like, okay, I have one CNC project under my belt and now I'm already trying to like kind of hack the machine to do something that it's not... I mean, it's not that it's not made to do it, but it's just, you know, you're... You're jigging up the machine to do something weird, but it's like, I well, don't know, Chris, it catches my interest and I want to do it.
2: If you didn't use shitty 3D modeling software like SketchUp, <laughs> you could do it. Uh, no, you could do it uh, by, you could do that in Fusion and then export it in G code without having to shim anything. Um, and then you you wouldn't have to get the shim perfectly accurate each time. Well, I'd only have to do it one time. It would <laughs> just be one shim and go. That's true. But, you, but you'd have to do the whole tabletop in there you couldn't do the pieces
0: well so what i'm thinking is so it picture that it's a two foot by five foot coffee table or whatever right right so it'll be sort of
2: sticking out of the cnc yeah
0: and because the pattern is going to fade away into nothingness like halfway through that means you have the full you'll be able to get the whole capacity of the cut into it in one shot you You would just
2: couldn't you also router sled it no you mean
0: no not with the
1: pattern
2: no
0: well you could probably i mean yeah, I don't. I don't think you could do that. Actually, another. Well, no, never mind. I was gonna say another way you could do it, but it would be a total waste of time and material. So, I'm not even gonna say it. But I could do the shimming up way. Yeah. Or I could get fusion.
2: I would try. I try both. Like, I mean, and that's you know, and again, that's what they're experimenting for because it, mm-hmm. it might actually be faster just to shim it than the whole learning curve for a new software. That's what I was gonna right. say. Um, it could
1: be a cool A and B to where you're kind of comparing the the give and take of learning a new software. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. But no, it's a. Uh, it's interesting i i I used to think uh it's funny right people really like herringbone patterns Mm -hmm. and it's not because i think they like herringbone patterns i think they like patterns right Mm -hmm. and herringbones are one one that's pretty that's the right balance of complicated but doable (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um where you can get pretty creative with them you can do the sort of cross kind of things where it's like a four-way um and uh yeah, no, but uh the it was it was funny. When I did the the walnut and concrete tabletop with the or the concrete table with the walnut inlay, that was after seeing a herringbone one. I was saying, Okay, well, I don't wanna do uh you know, like you I didn't want to do just the herringbone thing. And then I just mm-hmm. kept saying, Well what if it was all the angled pieces that fit into the pieces? And mm-hmm. uh from there sort of uh you know, said, Well, how about I just laser cut it and do a completely different one. Yeah, but I think that's. I think what you're. It, it, it's funny, like the way you described it in terms of a process. But if you were to describe that in terms of an outcome, right? Like, you know, what is desirable about the table that you're you're uh, describing, and the way you know, I think you could almost say. What if it was a herring-boned table where, like, the pattern's really strong, but that the strength of that pattern starts to fade out in a gradient into sort of nothing else, which is why you're sort of introducing this sort of third dimension, right? Mm-hmm. So it can almost be real—it it can almost be like, a, uh, like an Escher kind of drawing where there's a strong rectilinear pattern that then starts to morph into something else as it's sort of cut at an angle.
0: Right. Yeah, I think—I mean— <laughs> this kind of goes into a different topic but I think the reason that I don't like the herringbone pattern is I almost feel like in a way there's two camps of woodworking this is kind of this is oversimplifying obviously but there's Only a lot two. of people <laughs> but there's a lot of people that really love like the figuring or the grain of the wood and I think people always assume that every woodworker is like that but I don't know I've just never been that way like I, I don't get super excited about like oh look how beautiful this piece of wood is like to me I almost like sort of plain looking woods in most applications and so that's why like I feel like when you do something like a herringbone pattern you're just exacerbating any like crazy kind of grain that's going on that so that was the main thing that I was trying to just like okay, if this guy wants this, how can I do this, but like really just tamp it down so that it doesn't bug me?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it would be cool to see kind of what Ben was talking about and is playing around with patterns and seeing if you can't come up with an interesting pattern that the the guy you're going to build it for also thinks is cool that he was just unaware of that you could do anything Mm -hmm. other than herringbone. You know what I mean? It could just be like, oh, I saw a herringbone pattern. That's cool. You think you can do that? Um, but yeah, that,
0: that is a good point, yeah, because you do ask yourself, like, yeah. how much does he really love Herringbone, right. or is it just, like, or is that's that just a staple what f- of this?
1: <laughs> yeah, or is that just right. what he's familiar with? So, yeah, I, w- right. I would play around with it.
2: He, he, here's, here's a way to do it, to experiment with it, too, right? And, again, to make it sort of a low risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, every time you do a CNC project, you could create a sort of a, are you going from Illustrator, or are you going from right from SketchUp into uh, Easel?
0: Um, I could do it either way. For something like that, I would, I'd probably just do it in Illustrator.
2: So what you could do is you could make like a puzzle piece or a certain dimension, right, Mm -hmm. or or like a few of them, right. Mm -hmm. So you pick sort of a shape, and anytime there's extra waste on the piece that you're seeing, seeing, you just copy and paste this shape into it. It might Mm -hmm. be like a tile or something like that, so that every time you do a, uh, a CNC project, you end up with a few scraps that are all modular that will all fit the same. The, oh, I see what uh, you're saying. Fit together. Yeah. And you could even use the CNC to make them all the same thickness. So you could make That's a true. whole bunch of herringbone pieces out of all different scraps every mm-hmm. time you do another CNC project. So whether it was Baltic birch plywood, it would, let's say oh, you're going to set it at half an inch thick. Mm-hmm. right? So you do a Baltic birch uh, plywood friction fit project you end up with a, a half inch thick piece and it might end up on a dark layer or a light layer or, who, or on a glue layer, who knows? Mm-hmm. You do a walnut project. Yep, You're using three quarter inch walnut, but it mills it down to half inch. So you end up with all these little tiles that are all different species of wood. They were all kind of scrap pieces,
0: mm-hmm. but they all
2: fit together. Right. And then over here, year, you have this scrap bucket of everything that fits together like perfect puzzle pieces.
0: Yeah, it was like the way that you did that like wandering path cement thing. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. What was that? It was like a three-year project. You just like kept making those molds.
2: I mean, if if I would have just you know built more molds and stuff like that, uh, you know, I could have done it in like two weeks.
0: Right, but that would be two weeks of just sitting there pouring concrete.
2: Uh, two weeks of watching concrete dry. Well, 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 no, it would be. I could have. Well, here here's the interesting thing, right? I could have spent more. I could have bought like a lot of silicone. Yeah. And then as soon as I make one batch, make another mold out of that batch. Mm-hmm. And make more molds until I have like 10 molds going at a time to the point right. where I'm mixing a whole bag of concrete and then I'm producing like 20 at a time rather than three at a time. Yep. It's always where you sort of copy and then reselect and then paste. <laughs> yeah,
0: that actually reminds me of like whenever I used to do a lot of graphic design work, like if I wanted to do a shadow that was coming off of text at 45 degree angles, and you you would start and you'd go one nudge, one nudge, copy. And then by the time you got to 10, copy those, shift, nudge, nudge, now you got like times 10. All of a sudden, you got the exponential growth going. Before you know it, the whole world is covered in wandering
1: cement pavers. Exactly, Chris, you froze so hard, I'm sorry. Yeah, you froze (laughs) really hard. (laughs) I have no idea what you said for about three seconds.
0: I was just talking crap.
1: Yep. (laughs) Awesome. Anybody got a hypothetical for this week?
0: Um, I don't have one prepared, but actually, you know what I could do? I could ask you guys the one that started it all for me. Oh, of stupid hypotheticals. I don't I I, I probably asked ones that are similar to this, but one day I was wondering, I think maybe somebody said it, maybe I saw somebody say it. But basically the question is, <laughs> every time you sit down to eat anything, you have to announce to everybody in the room I'm gonna enjoy this. (laughs) And would you do that for? Let's let me make a let me make a price. Oh, it's a money thing. Oh Lord, okay. I'm gonna give you two million dollars. Done. Yes. (laughs) Done. Yes.
1: Yeah, I'd do that for sure. Ben? Uh, no. I I would
0: not do it either. I see. I think the the go to is to say yes, but I think when you really think about that, Mike,
1: listen, you are gonna
0: ruin your life
1: with with i'm gonna enjoy this i know but i would have just i would have set myself up man i would have made a couple smart investments and i'd just be rich man yeah but you'd be by yourself because
0: nobody wants to hang out with you <laughs> well,
1: it doesn't have to be two of obni- hey i'm gonna enjoy this and then you well, just got be normal be, again it's just that's it your quirk yeah he's a, a quirky is, guy that's what he does.
2: The a final decision would be in this. the bylaws, right? It would be yeah. in the specifics no explanati- of the contract. There's
1: no explanations. Like you have, to, a, like if you go to a restaurant, you have to stop everyone from eating. Excuse me. Well, it does have to be the whole restaurant. Oh, just then, everybody you're with. Okay. Everybody you're with. Yeah. Well, in that case, they know. They know I'm weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm quirky, but you know what? They like me, anyways. Hopefully. Hey, that Mike just really enjoys food. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? Eventually, like people are just like start rolling their eyes, like, oh god, this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> this guy with the, I'm gonna see he enjoys now, it so now, much god <laughs> so yeah that's all I got. yeah but I'll be that's my you know but part. I'll just I'll pick up the tab and then everyone will forgive me for it
0: he enjoyed the food so much he's willing to pay for it for everybody yeah. always you're gonna blow see then that'll be the the cruel twist is that you'll you'll spend all your money picking up tabs no I'll, I'll and then just, you'll just be stuck I'll put, saying I'll put it for nothing half
1: of it into Tesla and then in 15 years I'm gonna be balling
0: you <laughs> Be in your roadster, yeah. just enjoying food. Man, it, announcing to your whoever you're with that you're, you're hey, going to
1: enjoy this fiber one bar. As soon as they start releasing electric semis, man, it's game over. <laughs> then you're going to start your career as a truck driver. Uh, no, but hopefully I will have invested in t- Tesla by that point. <laughs> Not me. I'm going to become a truck driver. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to become a t- truck driver as soon as technology makes it to where I don't really need to be a truck driver anymore. They're going to be <laughs> self-piloted right. semis and Chris is going to be like, you know what? I think it's about, I it's think it's time. the right time.
0: Hey, everybody's abandoning you. That's the perfect time to hop in, right? I guess so.
1: <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this show. We're Sorry we didn't do obsessions this week, but I just forgot. If you guys have any questions or show topic ideas, you can always hit us up on Instagram. At Four Eyes Furniture, at Benjamin Ueta, or at Modern Builds. But before you do that, make sure you're following at Dwell Made. We're launching this week. I, I can speak for myself, but I'm incredibly excited for this. I think it's going to be a lot of really cool projects. Uh, I think it's just I think it's just really neat in general. The fact that a company the size of Dwell, uh, someone that's got as much clout in the design space as they have. Uh, The fact that we're working with them is, honestly, it's a big honor. So we're excited for it. So make sure and go subscribe to that YouTube channel. We're launching videos this week. Stay updated. Um, If you want to give us any emails, that was a weird transition, you can do that. ModernMakerPodcast at gmail.com. Finally, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And until next time, this has been the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. See you. Bye.